I used to have lucid dreams a lot when I was younger. And I think I've kind of sort of tapped out of the sort of like, I think spiritual training it takes to kind of like be in that state. So later in the year, I'm trying to plan a little hibernation for myself where I can just get back into my spiritual zone. Welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T, and today I'm hanging out with Tia Cabral, the truly magical artist behind the music project Spelling. We'll talk Taurus vibes, whale magic, dream ghosts, and more. After that, our very own Vera Blossom shares her personal hot tips for lucid dreaming. Stay with us. The very first time I ever experienced a lucid dream, it was during a nightmare. I found myself running through a sort of overgrown lot, tall grass and cracked paver stones forming a makeshift path. I knew there was a man behind me and I knew that he was chasing me and whatever his plan was, once I was caught, it wasn't good. I was very scared in the dream. I'd lost sight of him, but felt he could jump out at me from anywhere, like a horror movie villain. But then an incredible fact dawned on me. I was dreaming. None of this was real. Whatever the worst of this creep's intent might be, I would not actually be hurt. And now that I had woken up inside my dream, I wouldn't even be scared. I stopped running and stood there in the sunny, trashy lot. What would it be like to observe my own attack? Something that I, like all thems, have spent a fair amount of time dreading and avoiding. What would it be like to watch it without fear? What a strange experience. I waited for my attacker to round the bend or hop out at me from the scraggly grass. He never showed up. The unexpected arrival of my consciousness scared him away. What happened next is, I'm afraid to say, what happens whenever I become lucid in my dreams. I began searching desperately for someone to have sex with. I'm not proud of this, though I guess I'm not exactly ashamed either. I seem to find myself suddenly in a bathroom, banging on stall doors for somebody to hump on like a horny dog. Ugh, okay, maybe I am ashamed. I find the paper dolls of my dreamscape a bit hard to maneuver in spite of understanding that it's all happening inside my imagination. Sometimes I have a bit of tawdry dream sex, often I just wake up. I'm almost always disappointed in myself for not having done something more spectacular in my astral state. Not for nothing, but I can have sex in my waking life. Why not, say, fly? Strike up a conversation with a kitten? Beam myself into outer space? If the first hardest thing about lucid dreaming is figuring out how to become lucid while dreaming, a close second is remembering to do something meaningful with the moment. According to Buddhist thought, while our behavior in a typical dreaming state does not generate karma, meaning are not actions that will impact our fate in waking life, lucid dreaming is a whole other thing. Because actual consciousness is at play, it's possible that good deeds done while lucid dreaming carry the same spiritual weight as actions taken in the real world. And conversely, writes Andrew Halchek in the online Buddhist journal Lion's Road, quote, if you merely indulge your fantasies, lucid dreaming becomes super samsara. Samsara is the earthly existence our souls are trapped in. According to Holchek, a lucid dream isn't lesser than the real world, but like the real world on steroids. He continues, when intention is involved, even at the level of a dream, karma is created. Lucid dreams are not karmically neutral. Well, yikes, like doing the right thing in waking life isn't hard enough. Now I get to worry about my dream karma too. 
But truly, the more I read about the spiritual potential of lucid dreaming, called dream yoga in Tibetan Buddhism traditions, the more intriguing and inspiring it sounds. In fact, I have to go now so that I can continue my tumble into a K-hole of reading on tantric practices meant to help a person understand the actual foundation of reality, and lucid dreaming is one of them. Spiritually speaking, we really don't know what our dreaming is all about, especially when you think of the many mystical assertions that even our waking life is but a dream. Maybe it could be worth it to take our dream time more seriously. Here's Tia Cabral. Tia Cabral, thank you so much for being on Your Magic. Yeah, this is so fun. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really so inspired by all of your um, use in your work with like costumes and this sort of shape-shifting vibe that you have. And I was wondering if you could speak on that at all and if there if there's a magic in that for you or where, where, where did that impulse, what does that impulse feel like for you? A part of my just like visual art background came in to when it came down to putting myself out there on stage and this need to kind of just transform um, and like tap into the alchemy of, yeah, delivering this ritual of a performance. I need to trans, like, I just need to transform myself. And like, yeah, the aesthetics are very important to me. And um, hopefully I want to start making my own costumes. That's next level. <laughs> that is next level. And is it is it true that like right now, anyway, or historically, you have thrifted a lot of the stuff that you work with? Yes, absolutely. Thrifted. <laughs> Definitely have a stack of like items that have been thrifted and not incorporated, but I won't give up on them and I won't let them go. <laughs> Better give them a few tries, you know. Yeah. You, yeah, I really understand that. What sign are you? I'm a tourist, so... Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh my gosh. Do you My birthday is May 13th, so it'll be Friday the 13th this year. Oh, that's so fun. Are you going to do anything special, spooky, anything at all? My only dream for my birthday is to go whale watching. That's so cute. And that's really cute. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to see a whale. I have this big affection for whales. They're the like guardian of my dream world so my friends and I are going to go whale watching in Monterey that's a gorgeous thing to do on your birthday um and I love that whales are the guardian of your dream world like what does that mean for you I think it all started with have you have you seen the movie whale Watch, uh whale rider oh my gosh a long time ago yeah <laughs> we did. Yeah. yeah like early 2000s um I think that movie has like just gone into my psyche since I saw that as a kid. Yeah, just since then, I've had reoccurring dreams, landscapes with whales popping in and out. Just like it started with this very repeat narrative of me on a boat or out on the ocean and then seeing humpback whales. And then I just had this like very like magnetic instinct to jump in the water and like submerge and it was just this like really beautiful feeling of surrender and empowerment so that started happening in like my early 20s and has just persisted like up until now and now it's kind of morphed so much so it's like 
not that same narrative. It's it's just like a really basic dream. Like I'm just doing basic stuff like shopping or like <laughs> out in the world and like a whale will just pass by in the dream. And I'm like, oh, there it goes. So it's kind of morphed into this reminder that I'm dreaming or just like this reminder that like, I feel like it's just like an assurance, like you're safe and you're grounded and you're good. I want to know more. Like, yeah, I hope to talk to someone like a psychic or an intuitive about where this is coming from. <laughs> so beautiful. What a wonderful recurring dream to have. It sounds so peaceful and, and really magical. Um, have you ever had the experience of lucid dreaming? I used to have lucid dreams a lot when I was younger. And I think I've kind of sort of tapped out of the sort of like, I think spiritual training it takes to kind of like be in that space <laughs> lately because I've just been like having like I was just touring and like logistical information and like rational information on my brain that I kind of just like when it's time to sleep there's no room <laughs> totally so later in the year I'm trying to plan a little hibernation for myself where I can just get back into my spiritual zone Oh, that's so great. Are you going to do that like a staycation? Or are you going to go somewhere inspiring? Yeah, I want to do like a Kate Bush, Hounds of Love, nature retreat and just have like a synth, redwoods, trees, a cabin, I don't know, and just only make music. <laughs> that's what I romanticize so much. It's just like isolation, music making. Let's do it. Oh, it sounds like such a tourist dream also. <laughs> like really like that in your element. Oh, I hope you make that happen for yourself. That sounds incredible. Um, I had a funny question for you as a, a thrifter. Do you ever feel like, do you ever had a feeling about an item of clothing that you could feel the energy of its past owner? Or like, do you feel like your closet is haunted sometimes with so many secondhand pieces of clothing in it? I don't think I've ever had that distinct feeling, but it has happened with furniture. Like I live in Oakland right now, but I, I lived in Berkeley for a long time when I was at UC Berkeley. And I lived with all of my like closest friends um, in this house on Telegraph. And we would often just like take in furniture off the street. And it was just like a, like a constant car like carousel of furniture and things <laughs> from outside. And I had this, armchair in my room sitting in the corner and I was very attached to it it was like very ornate golden with like little like feathery whispery patterns and I got a very strong th that was one of the nights I, I had a lucid dream and also had like this ancestor connection with what felt like an ancestor from my mom's side sitting in the chair and I like in the dream she was sitting in the chair like talking to me I felt like I woke up and saw her sitting there and I tried to like talk to her and speak, but it was like, you know, the frozen feeling of a lucid dream where you're like trapped between. <laughs> and um, my mom and her like family have like, they grew up in Oakland. And, and so there's definitely like, and the house that we lived at, her childhood home was just a block away on Alcatraz. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> it's like, who knows what the energy of that chair was that, resonated somehow with like ancestor energy right in such a like a, a place that's loaded with your family's vibes that's so cool yeah I was a little bit freaked out afterward I was like maybe we'll move it from my room into the living room <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I already have a very small room in the presence of my ancestors 
you know, like I need a little personal space. <laughs> totally. Have you, have you seen, um, had the experience of seeing spirits or ghosts or, you know, anything like that aside from this experience? Pretty much isolated to the dream realm. I think that's where my most like poignant experiences like that have happened. But in real life, I'm always very actively hoping to have a paranormal encounter. And <laughs> I feel like everyone around me has and I have it. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I don't know that that one with the chair and your ancestor sounds pretty paranormal. I really want to see a UFO. That's what I'm actively searching for in the skies. Any little glimmer glimpse. And I'm like, it just hasn't happened yet. And that's okay. Well, if you're ever in Arizona, if you're in Sedona, they do straight up UFO tours. They're like, we'll take you out into the desert and you'll see a UFO. I'm like, how can you guarantee that? <laughs> I like the certainty. It's like the whale tours too. They're like, if you don't see a whale, money back guaranteed. But that's a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, reliable. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, I know that in some, in, in some of your songs, you reference uh, reincarnation. And I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, I'm gathering that you, do you believe in it? Or is it just sort of like an openness towards it? Or what are your thoughts about it? reincarnation to me I love like I, I I do believe in reincarnation and I believe in like lifetimes and the ability to like remember lifetimes and I have an affinity for animals a lot and so I like to think of like in a past life I have definitely been a whale <laughs> and I think that's where that like dream realm is coming from categorically it's hard for me to say like I believe in this or that I think like it's something I'm really interested in. And I think through the music, I love to explore like what it could mean to be reincarnated and like that you could just reincarnate yourself on a daily basis, however you choose, you know. So I would love to pull cards for you if you're up for it. And if you have a question. I've been kind of hearing on the internet, this idea of like the villain era in tourist season. I don't know if you've picked up on that, but like. The villain era? <laughs> the I've villain had era. It, but I'm very <laughs> intrigued. What does this mean? And how does it relate to tourist season? From what I understand, it's just like sort of this funny projection of self-care and sort of setting boundaries and like sort of reclaiming the idea of, you know, this is my time. This is what I want. And I think that it's speaking to me because I've always had a struggle with sort of asserting my own, yeah, my own path. And as a tourist, just sort of this tension of wanting to be very reclusive and be internal, but the like tension also of what I do and the path of my career, just like putting me out there at all times. So I'm, I'm just trying to find the balance of, yeah, I want to really figure out asserting what I want as a pretty, you know, like introverted <laughs> performance artist. And so, yeah, I guess my question is kind of is like, what does it look like for me to just 
yeah, assert my boundaries in a productive way as a touring musician, as just like a musician who's who struggles a lot with personal, like personal boundaries. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Oh my God. Hot villain summer. That's what we're <laughs> going to have. I'm, I love it. Um, okay. Do you know what your other astrological stuff are? Yeah, I'm an Aries rising. I think that's what gets me out of bed. Oh yeah. And a Taurus moon. As an Aries rising, you have a natural chart. Maybe you've heard that before. Like your Taurus moon, I mean, your Taurus, you know, is all going to be in the house of Taurus. So you're extra Taurus-y. I mean, you're yeah. extra Taurus-y anyway with that Taurus moon. But then to have your Taurus sun and moon, I'm guessing in the second house of Taurus, like, whoa, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have a very, you have a powerful Aries rising because you should definitely be living in a mud hut somewhere. Like, <laughs> that's, thank you for sharing that. That's really great. Um, okay, so what would it look like for you to really... Like I'm seeing this as a sort of like you're rousing some aspect of yourself that's that's there, but maybe a little dormant or not sure how to come out, like not quite sure how to, you know, express itself. But and it's around boundaries and being assertive and taking up space and going after what you want and letting like your needs rule the day. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I'm giving these readings to people and those cards come up, I'm always like, this is your time to be incredibly selfish. And, you know, people can feel like they're guilty in advance at even just being told that, like they feel like they've done something wrong, you know? And it's like, no, it's okay to be really selfish sometimes. Like it's okay to be really selfish a lot of times. And you got one of those cards. Oh my God. The ones that I'm talking about, two of, two of wands dominion. This is wow. Okay. So, um, you know, I picked three cards for you. And the very first one feels like, Okay, you know, if if this part of you is sort of caged a little bit and needs to come out of its enclosure, the enclosure is this nine of swords cruelty card, right? You know, I see the cruelty card as self-cruelty, as, you know, voices that, you know, the culture and other unfriendly, you know, faceless things have put into our heads um, about like, you know, how we can't have what we want. I do always think with, with this card, I always flash on the rider weight, how it's the card with the person having nightmares, the opposite of a beautiful whale dream, <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, what, you know, in what way is it scary to you to imagine this, you know, in what way is it truly villainous? And it can be fun to get inspired and talk about being a villain, but then like what part of yourself is more in the back there when it's time to get real saying like, God, but does this mean I'm a villain? Like, I don't, I don't want to be that I want to be like loving. I want to be love. And so it's like how to rectify that. And it's like, you know, there doesn't look like a soft path, a gentle path out of that. It looks like storming the gates here with this Aries energy. It really is like, you know, like this just isn't going to work for you anymore. This is, these are two Mars cards and Mars is the plan, you know, Aries planet. Um, do you know what your Mars is in by any chance? I want to say my Mars is in Cancer. Is it yeah. Cancer? Oh gosh, well cancer. that would be hard. <laughs> yes, okay, that would be really hard. And your I'm cancer, a softie. yeah, oh, I'm such a softy. And your Cancer <laughs> is in the fourth house of Cancer, so you'll have a Cancer Mars in the fourth house, never wanting to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. This is a struggle for you. This is like the the battle of good and evil that's going on in your particular you know, psyche, it's almost like you got to let the pendulum swing all the way to the other side in a really major way. Take some chances and see what happens. You know, the card, the card following this is this 
two of wands and it's Mars and Aries. You know, here's Mars, this, the, um, the nine of swords is Mars and Gemini. So it's a sense, you know, it's, it's overthinking it at the expense of taking action, you know, and this is all action. This two of wands is just like, you got to draw a boundary, just draw the boundary. It's okay. If it's not perfect, it's okay. If it's sloppy, it's okay. If you go back later and you and you tweak it a little and go, okay, actually I can allow for that. Or, you know, but if, if overthinking things is stopping you, if that sense of guilt or uh, some sort of like loyalty to to situations other than yourself, people, places, things other than you, if that's holding you back, it's almost wanting you. It, I feel like the message the tarot is telling you is just, you know, do it, just do it, do it hard. You can clean it up later if you need to clean it up later. And the Knight of Wands is popping up saying, I second that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I just, this is so funny. I just was reading about this card last night in the, in the actual like, Alexander Crowley, like book of book that goes with it, the book of Toth. And it's, you know, I, I see this card as such an Aries card because it really is fire upon fire. You know, the wands is fire. Yeah, the yeah, night yeah, is yeah. fire. I see it as like this trailblazer and referencing back to kind of what I was saying about like, I see my spiritual arc as this like calling towards making and having a lot of tension around who is the artist, who gets to make things and kind of like setting myself back because I don't see myself like fitting certain categories and a lot of like uh, reluctance built up around that. And um, yeah, that you need to have this certain deep grit or substance or charisma to be a, like a real trailblazer and to be a real artist. So I think I spent a lot, like a large part of my life feeling that I didn't like, I didn't fit those categories. And then that kind of just distracted me from this, like, yeah, this, like, underlying calling towards, like, yeah, this can be me and I can evolve towards those things. And right now, especially, I notice, like, I'm embracing those aspects of myself. I love that. I'm so happy for you. It's so interesting to hear you talk about this. I mean, that kind of... um I don't know. Like, it's like a, it's like a distant cousin, a second cousin of like imposter syndrome or something. It's like, I don't fit in the world. And, you know, it's like, it's so, you know, I get to interview in this podcast. I'm so fortunate, like artists that I really admire, like yourself. And it's so, it's always so striking to hear things like this because from the outside, you are nothing but a trailblazer and you clearly have so much grit and, you know, you, you have all this like, magic and it's like we all just want to see so much more from you but yeah i mean this is what i think this nine of swords is talking about in your life is that that you know the the overthinking that kind of held you back you know um and you know it's it being in gemini that's really interesting also because gemini they're you know there's a, a there's something about them there where they're about duality and so there it, that is a little black and white thinking right it's like you're either like you know in order to be successful you need to be like this but i'm like this so i can't take that path but just being like i can take whatever fucking path i want like i'm a creature on the planet with these desires and talents and interests and i'm just gonna blaze my own trail towards it and invite y'all to come with me and that just looks beautiful for you and super successful i love it i feel like um yeah it's all about leaving like letting that just burn off like a fog like the ten of swords just burns off like a fog with the with the um the, the motion of your you know trajectory. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You're yeah. so welcome. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you how old you're you're turning? I'm just curious about like you know, transits and stuff like that, you know, astrologically. I'll be turning 31. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. 
you're past your Saturn return. Yeah. Heading towards the Christ, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. <laughs> this is really good. I love I love this for you. Um, uh, I hope you have a really excellent, excellent birthday. And you're going back on tour, yes? Yeah. I'm well, a little mini tour. I'm going to Europe at the end of May and doing some festivals out there. It'll be like half tour, half like just exploring and being out there for the first like the first time ever. So Wow. I bet there's some amazing like European whale watching that you can do out there, like <laughs> off the coast of Ireland or something. Can you imagine? Like, oh my God. Yeah, let's keep the energy <laughs> tourist season all year. Hi, I'm Vera Blossom, a producer here at Your Magic. I also used to be an avid lucid dreamer. So today, I'm sharing a method that can help to induce the state of lucid dreaming, the act of being conscious in your dream and controlling your surroundings. Lucid dreaming can have a few benefits. It's been shown to help relieve anxiety and can reduce the negative side effects caused by PTSD. It can help you overcome recurring nightmares by helping you realize when you're having a bad dream and allowing you to change the circumstances of the nightmare or even wake yourself up. There are a few methods to induce a state of lucid dreaming, but here's what almost always works for me and I think disturbs your sleeping pattern the least. First, get to bed an hour before you want to sleep. Make sure the room is dark and comfortable. A room that is too warm or too cold will be distracting. Complete darkness helps you sink into your consciousness and away from reality. Second, lay on your back and stare at the ceiling. I think it goes without saying, but don't check your phone during this whole process. Third, you're going to pick something I like to call an anchor. This is a distinct object that will both draw you into a dream and also help you realize it's not reality. You'll look for this anchor in the dream to wake up your consciousness while still asleep. For me, it's easiest to imagine I'm cruising down a highway in a red convertible, something I've never done in real life. This means my anchor is a red car. I find it helpful to pick an anchor that is a physical object with obvious characteristics and, for lack of better words, a distinct and meaty aura. For you, it might be an old school desk or a purple couch or maybe something like a crystal goblet. Just make sure it's something weird that you can feel, touch, maybe even sit in. Fourth, imagine your anchor in your head and chant its name to yourself over and over again for the next hour while trying to fall asleep. In my case, I chant red car, red car, red car, red car. This part is difficult, but it helps my brain stay on a specific track while I fall into a dream. Fifth, once you're in the dream, look around for your anchor. Let that object chain you down to your dreamscape. You have to maintain a sort of zen state where you're aware that you're in a dream, but not too aware that you're in a dream. Becoming too conscious can wake you up or make the dream sort of freeze in place and glitch out. When I do this, I focus on my frontal lobe, flex it, and imagine an empty pool where my third eye is. Will yourself to not know you're in a dream, even though you fully know you're in a dream. If you can maintain this limbo state of knowing and not knowing, you have full control of your dream. Go where you want, fly around in the sky, give yourself superpowers, or go on an adventure in a gigantic and mysterious old hotel. These are all dream adventures I like to do. Lucid dreaming can help you reclaim control in your life when you're feeling helpless to the whims and chaos of the universe or those around you. It's a lot of fun. 
but here are some warnings. Be mindful of when you feel confused about when you're dreaming or awake. If you find yourself sleeping for more hours in the day than you're awake, or if you're losing grip on what's real and what isn't, you should probably stop trying to lucid dream, or at the very least, limit how often you attempt it. If you find yourself stuck in a dream you want out of, you can use your anchor as an emergency escape hatch. Go and find or manifest your anchor wherever you are in your dream and use it to remember that you're asleep and can wake up at any time. Be safe and enjoy your new dream life. Yes, I really, really love this. I freaked out at a Your Magic production meeting when Vera shared with us that she had this personal practice of lucid dreaming. And I'm so, so glad she's sharing it with all of us. I'm very much itching to give this technique a try. Whatever you're dreaming this week, lucid dreams, psychedelic dreamscapes, floaty daydreams, creepy nightmares, we hope you're able to wring a bit of insight from it. If not about the nature of our shared reality, then at least something about your own psychological state. And, of course, may all your most lovely dreams come true. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Every dollar makes our work possible. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thisisyourmagic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, Kirsten Osai Bonzu, and Vera Blossom. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening. 